Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Okay, I'm going to get into my sermon. I preached here a number of weeks ago. I told you it was part one, on, uh, but it's not my dream. And I talked about the heart of a true servant of Christ. What do a servant of Jesus look like? And I've used Joseph as my example. And Genesis 39 and 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and I'm, not, I'm moving forward on my screen, but for, oh, now I'm there. Okay, the Lord was with Joseph in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian Master, the Lord was with Joseph. But it's not my dream. I'm, I'm going all over the place here now, but I think, I don't know if Dave's taken over back there. See if I'm on here. Do, do, do. Yep, that was me then, right? Yeah, okay, so we are right. The Lord was with Joseph. Isn't electronics fun? It really is, Yeah. Uh, but it's not my dream. Uh, how am I going, I said to myself, fit this into what the series that Aaron is doing on the church. And uh, I told you that what I want to do, even though I'm not taking part of his sermon, I'm doing one part and he's doing the next part. But I do want to compliment what you're doing as you talk about the church, what the church is, the church, what is it? And uh, what is it made of? And we found out last week that it's made of people. The body of Christ is only one body, and we are in the body. Remember the picture you had under of a body with body in the body? We are part of the body of And you said something very powerful in John chapter 13 and verse 35, from when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are <clears throat> my true disciples. If you and I want to be effective in this world. We have to be like Jesus. And that is what it's about. And that's part of what Pastor Aaron has been doing, taking us to a place to see what Jesus was like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 1, I'm doing this quickly because I want to get to my sermon part. And uh, Paul said, and you should as I imitate Christ. Now, how many here, don't put your hand up, <clears throat> How many of you here have said to people, whatever you do, don't be like me? Well, that's a big mistake. It really is. Because if we are who Jesus wants us to be, Paul wasn't boasting, <clears throat> I'm the most spiritual guy around here. He wasn't, that's not what Paul was talking about. Paul did his best through the enabling of the Holy Spirit to be like Jesus. Have you ever had? correct you right on the spur of the moment when you were not like him. That's not like me. Remember I told you the story of my little watch and Siri when I was wake me up earlier in the morning and I did it three times and it didn't work and then I said that is, that is so stupid. This is not working and Siri come on and said that wasn't very nice of you. <laughs> well there are times the Holy Spirit does that to me. Amen. He really does, because he wants me to be like him. So Paul said, you should imitate me just like I imitate Christ. 
A recent statistic by Barna, in a study that Barna had done, uh, came out, and and it is this: the ch- this is the most unpopular time the church is to the world. Only twenty percent of the people have any respect in society today for the church. Now that doesn't speak too good of us, and there's a reason behind that because we many times have been like Christ. And so, therefore, God wants to do a work in us. So, it's not my dream. Dreamers, I want to put it in context. You see, what Pastor Aaron is speaking about is a dream that we should have, but it's not my dream, it is his dream. What is Christ's pattern? What is his dream? What is his goal for the church? Joseph had a God-given dream. And I went back in my mind as I was thinking about that to 1962. Uh, when God gave me a dream. When at the age of seven years old, God called me into the ministry. But there was a severe problem. I couldn't speak. Well, yeah, I could speak. But you would not want me to be your pastor in the fashion that I did speak because I had a very severe stoppage in speech. I stuttered really badly. And I I thought of Joseph, and I thought of myself, and I said, you know, Joseph was 26 years before his dream came true. For me, it was 23 years from that call until God actually put me into the ministry. He gave me opportunities to serve under somebody else's dream, and God was working on me, and he brought me to a place like Joseph where God could fulfill that dream. A quick summary for you. We saw some key reasons Joseph made it from a pit to a palace and his dream being fulfilled. And I talked about this the last time, and I said, but it's not Potiphar's dream. uh, I'm sorry, but it's Potiphar's dream that he served under and not his own. He serves the heart of a servant. And listen to this, because Joseph refused to remain uninvolved, God blessed him as he served. Because he said, no matter how negative this might look, and it might look contrary to my dream, I right now am under someone else's dream, but I'm going to serve the person that I'm under. And then we looked at, but it's the jailer's dream that he served, and not his own. And again, in uh, in prison, Joseph refused to remain uninvolved, and God did what? You see it there? Blessed him as he served. And then I said, but it's Pharaoh's dream. Still not Joseph's. He's serving under Pharaoh's dream. And once again, God uh, refused, uh, Joseph refused to remain uninvolved. And God blessed him as he served. We've uh, we've been called to be servants. And then I concluded by saying, yes, actually, in the end, it was his dream. And you know the story of his brothers came to him and we saw remember when he shared the dream remember the reaction that you really think we're going to bow down to the likes of you <laughs> we're going to get rid of you really quick but we saw in Genesis 42 and 6 but when they arrive 
they bowed before him, just like in the dream, not even recognizing him with their faces to the ground. It comes years later. And because Joseph had the heart of a servant, because Joseph served under Potiphar, under the jailer, and Pharaoh, because Joseph served under someone else's dream, his dream was fulfilled and his family was saved. Amen? Awesome. But there is one more major contributing factor to Joseph's success. You want to be successful? You want to be an influence to add the potential of saving your family, of saving somebody? You must have the heart of a servant. That's the key here. One that flows out of a heart that has learned to forget, Learn to forgive, as learn to let go and pursue their dream despite the circumstances. David Brinkley said, a successful man is one who can lay a firm foundation with the bricks others have thrown at him. You've probably had a few bricks thrown at you in your lifetime. I've had a few. Pastor Aaron, you probably, not a literal brick, but you've had a few bricks thrown at you. But a successful person is a person who can forget and forgive and let it go and then can actually uh, lay a foundation with the very bricks that were thrown at them. But it's not my dream. So let's uh, pick up where I left off last time. Uh, Joseph is one of the most striking types of Jesus in the Old Testament. It, it, it's totally awesome. In Jewish thought, the Messiah was pictured as the son of David, but also as the son of Joseph. So as the son of David, he would rule over uh, upon David's throne, bringing glory to Israel and peace to the world. Yet they also pictured him as the son of Joseph. Someone who would suffer at the hands of his brothers before being exalted. So let's look at some of the clearer pictures in Joseph's life that have their fulfillment in the life of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Some traits in Joseph that are in Jesus and Scripture calls to be in us. We will clearly see Joseph as a true portrait of Jesus himself. So first of all this morning, if we want to become an effective disciple, we must become like Jesus. And these traits that Joseph had, we must have because there are also traits that Jesus have. I'm going to give you a few very quickly this morning. Joseph and Jesus both had the heart of a servant. You've seen that. Joseph, in Genesis 43 and 34, he serves those who did him in for 26 years. He served them. And Joseph, listen, this is his brothers. They've come before him. I, I, I really love what, how, how this comes out here. And Joseph filled, this is his brothers, filled their plates with food from his own table. Joseph is royalty. Royalty don't serve common people to start with. 
And secondly, if they've done you in and they treated you really badly, uh, certainly you ain't going to serve them. But Joseph, as the heart of Jesus, and the very brothers who plotted to kill him, and instead sold him as a slave, betrayed him, these very brothers are finding themselves at Joseph's feet, and Joseph says, I tell all the maids to go back. This is my dealing this morning. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to feed them from my very own table. So they feasted and drank freely with him. And then we go to Jesus, Matthew 20 and 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. I have seen this, and I'm sure, Pastor Aaron, you have seen this, and maybe some of you have seen this, where you, you get a person in ministry is so filled with pride, they elevate themselves as they are superior over everybody, and uh, I don't serve anybody. I remember... Maybe in my second or third year that I was here, I was preaching on the scripture where Jesus washed their feet. Some of you from my church might remember this and you might not. And during my sermon, I asked my church board to come up. Now, I don't really like washing other people's stinky feet. Boy, did their feet stink. I'm only kidding. I had them come up. As a demonstration of what I had preached, every one of them, one at a time, I washed their feet. And we weren't into sanitizing like we are now. <laughs> but anyway, but I washed their feet. Why? God has called me to be a servant. He's called you to be a servant. Jesus said, I've come not to be served, but I've come to serve others. And he is an awesome God, isn't he? He really is. Do you have a dream? You will never see it fulfilled without becoming, having, I'm sorry, the heart of a servant. Secondly, Joseph and Jesus had their dreams belittled. Have you had your dream belittled? Remember I told you about when I was a seven-year-old boy and people would say, Ivan, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I would say, I'm going to be a preacher. Everybody mocked it. They said, there's no hope. It's impossible. Now, my family never, ever mocked me, but they never encouraged me either. You know, because I think they saw the impossibilities. They, people will mock your dream. And by the way, their dreams were belittled, but I want you to see this in Joseph and Jesus. Both dreams would result in salvation. Joseph was a picture of salvation under Jesus. For his nation of Israel will be, say the word, saved. They will be saved. Salvation. Wow. Both endured belittling of their dream. Genesis 37 and 8, his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. They belittled him. That's the biggest joke I ever heard in my life, that we're going to actually bow down to the likes of you? I don't think so. 
so they belittled his dream. What about Jesus? Matthew 13, verse 55 and part of 57, then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter's son. He's just from the poor part of the village. He's not what people think he is. He's, he's a carpenter's son, and they were deeply offended and refused to believe in Jesus. They scoffed him and his dream. Then Jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. Isn't that what happened to Joseph? His very own family didn't believe in him. And Jesus is in his hometown. If there is anyone that should be cheering him on, it would be his hometown, but not so. They dishonor him instead of honoring him. So if you have a dream, there will always be someone to belittle your dream. And don't be surprised when it comes from within the church family. You will be belittled. I don't think so. I don't think that's of any profit to us. People will belittle your dream. Then Joseph and Jesus were following someone else's dream for many years. We've already covered that, but let me just highlight it for you this morning. For Joseph, it was 26 years. He lived out someone else's dream. He was sold firstly as a slave. Now, we don't see it in Scripture. Did he get you know, sold immediately to Potiphar's house? I don't know. He may have even served before Potiphar's house, but I got a sneaky feeling. If that is true, that family had the best servant bread. I really believe that. Because that's the character of Joseph. Potiphar's house, then in, as the jailer, Pharaoh's, before seeing his own dream fulfilled. Now we look at Jesus. My, oh, I'm saying you're following someone else's dream. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 49 and 50. Jesus is missing upon return from the temple... And they don't realize till they're partway home. And Mary and Joseph go, oh, where's Jesus? Any of you ever lost your kid in the, you know, the mall or somewhere? Did you, uh, you know, calmly, I wonder where they are. And I think so. I think you freaked out. And they freaked out. Man, they went back to Jerusalem. They searched everywhere for Jesus. They were frantic. And then into the temple and they finally found him and they said what have you been doing don't you know what you did to us listen what he said and he said to them why did you seek me did you not know that I must be about my father's business I'm under someone else's dream my father's business. We're under someone else's dream this morning. It's not what I want. It's not what Pastor Aaron wants. It's not what you want this morning. There is no room for any want. We are under someone else's dream. And we become, we come before him and say, Master, and what is your for me today? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? But they did not even understand the statement which he spoke to them. 
Luke uh, 2 and 49 in the message is paraphrased this way. They had no idea what he was talking about. Here is Mary and Joseph, and Jesus is talking about that, you know, that uh, I have a dream. God has given me a dream. And they're saying, I ain't got one clue what that kid is talking about. Not one. And then they both experienced something else very devastating. And that is a murder plot. Plan to kill them. Genesis 37 and 18, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized in the dis- him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Joseph has a God-given dream, and right away, Lucifer has already got a plan, and he's got some people that he can work with, and it's within his own family, and is there and they plan to kill him. What about Jesus? Matthew 26 and 3 to 4 says, at the t- same time, the leading priests and the elders were meeting at the residence of Caiaphas, the high priest, plotting how they could capture Jesus secretly and kill him. Now, I want you to get this. This is kind of, it's not up to the church age yet, so, but it, it, it's the religious movement. It's kind of the church of that day. And within the body, there were people already planning to kill him. Isn't that a lovely church? Would you like to be part of that one? Wow. Planning to kill him. If you have a dream, I want you to always remember... There will always will be someone who will betray you and even attempt to kill you or kill your dream. There was a season that I went through with some difficulties in fulfilling that dream in regard to ministry. And I won't give you when, who, what, when, where, and how. But I actually had three attempts on my life. I actually did. My wife can vouch for for this. Uh, Because of my stand for what Scripture called for, that there was a family who did not want to abide by pastor. You let that go because we want to live the way that we are living. And if you don't let it go, take you out. Hmm. Interesting, eh? Actually, a individual pastor, Aaron, I was walking the street, you know, and I'm, 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 you know, facing traffic, right? And all of a sudden, this guy comes from that family, uh, from the church, in a 26-foot truck. He sees me, and he goes out on the shoulder right to the edge of the road, and I have to run for the ditch. It happened three times. You say, well, didn't you call the cops? You had to understand the context of this family and my problem with no evidence, only my word against his, I didn't stand the chance. Three times that happened to me. So as I think about Joseph, as I think about Jesus, as I think about, you might be here this morning and you have a dream and you've put it on the side burner, you've walked away from it because it, people were difficult to deal with and it was rough and it was hard. Can I tell you this morning, if your dream is legit, it's going to be rough because we have an enemy who will try to stop us. We really do. And um, so where am I? Okay, Matthew 26, 3 to 4. Oh yeah, okay, the next part. I think I'm finished that one. Yep, next part. 
valueless, you're worth nothing, sold for a few measly coins. If I could sell you today, what would I get for you? What, what, what value will we put on you? Both of them were, number one, Joseph, it says, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. I was meant to, and I forgot about it, bring up some quarters, you know, where I got 20 quarters, quarters and throw them down there. That's what you're worth. That's how much his brothers valued him. If you run to individuals who have little value for you, God is using them to work on you. I want you to get that this morning. And then for Jesus, Matthew 26, 14 to 15, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. Wow, this is Jesus, God's son, but he ain't worth much. 30 pieces of silver. And then we go to verse 47 in Luke 22, and it says, No sooner had he finished speaking when suddenly a mob approached, and right in front of the mob was his disciple Judas. He walked up close to Jesus and greeted him with a kiss, for he had a Read to give the religious leaders a sign saying, this one I kiss is the one to seize. So he was betrayed with a kiss. What is a kiss? Do you kiss people you don't like? No. A, a kiss is an indication of an awesome relationship. And what did Jesus say? I have, you know, when, when I read this in this translation, I said, whoa, that is powerful. It says here, Jesus looked at him with sorrow and said, a kiss? Are you serious? A kiss, Judas? Are you really going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Of all things, but he did it. If you have a dream, there will be those who will sell you out cheaply. They really will. In other words, you will get hurt along the way, and how you act or react will determine if you qualify for the dream. God has been working on Joseph and preparing him for the dream. He's working on you this morning. He's preparing you for the dream that he has for you. Let me move quickly this morning. Falsely accused with no evidence. Joseph would not sleep with Potiphar's wife. You know that part of the story. And so she made up a story about him. Falsely accused. Genesis 39, 17 to 18. Then she sold him she told him her story that Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me. She said, but when I screamed, he ran out leaving, outside leaving his cloak with me. Outright lies. Now, I know, Pastor Aaron, you probably never had a lie told about you for sure. Or in any of you, no one has ever told, told a lie about you. People will do anything to deceive you. And then we see in Mark 14, verses 55 to 56, the chief priest 
and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. And what does it say? Many, many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. I remember one time when my superintendent got a litter from somebody about me. It wasn't a very and it was all kinds of accusations about me. And the superintendent said to me, you know, uh, normally I would have to come and investigate this kind of stuff. But this lady, she's not making sense. And she contradicts herself in every paragraph. So I know there's no truth to this. Falsely accused. They did it to Joseph. They did it to Jesus. People will do it to you if you start to fulfill your dream. Have a dream. The devil will have no problem to find those who will falsely accuse you. Yes, even within the church. This is a major one. If you're going to get over, if you're going to get over all of the above, this key is important. Jesus and Joseph had a heart of forgiveness. Going to be like Pastor Aaron. Now we're going to pause for a second. We're going to reflect. What's in your heart today? Joseph's response to his brothers who tried to enter his dream. Remember when they were eating from his table? He slipped a little bit of poison. Or what we used to do years ago when we were teenagers and uh, uh, slip some uh, X-lax in the coffee. You know, just to get even with you and get you back, buddy. Payback. Have you ever had an urge to pay somebody back? Come on now, I have. Really have, yeah, it hurts. I, I wish I could have one of these dolls that you, when you stick the pin in, they go, ah! I'd love to have one of them. There's been times I'd love to have that, but that doesn't come from God. That's the enemy. We need to be careful. So it says here in Genesis 41 and 51, his brothers didn't deserve anything from a natural realm. Absolutely didn't. Jesus named, uh, so Joseph named his older brother Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. But he didn't forget. What does that mean? I'm sure he didn't forget, forget, but he would no longer hold that against him. It doesn't exist for him. That's the difference. Manasseh in the Hebrew means causing to forget. So he named his first son causing me to forget. Manasseh, I will no longer hold that against you. And you mentioned something here this morning, and you talked about grace, and I didn't put it in there. I thought about Joseph was full of grace, and Jesus was full of grace. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you, how many of you are glad that Jesus is full of grace? Amen? Because, uh, you know, some people sometimes think that I'm perfect. But then they talk to my wife. <laughs> then they talk to my kids. 
I had a lady in one church, Pastor Heron, who I went to encourage one day. She was in her 80s, and she was very depressed, and she was, uh, uh, she was rehashing a lot of something she did like 60 years ago, and feeling that God didn't forgive her, and on and on and on. And to encourage her, told her, I said, listen, Louisa, uh, you know, I'm not perfect either. And she stopped me before I even got beyond it. She said, Pastor, what? I thought you were perfect. I said, I love you. <laughs> I like that kind. She thought I was perfect. Unfortunately, my wife was with me. <laughs> she could vouch for others. Listen, if it wasn't for grace this morning, Amen. Jesus' words to those who tried to enter his dream. Listen to it. Luke 23 and 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. But they do know what they're doing. They're killing him. But what he's saying is they do not know that I am really the Messiah and they are fulfilling God's plan. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Lord. They think that they're doing something evil when in actual reality they are ordained of God. Forgive them right on the cross after all that he had been through that day. And he says, forgive them. You have a dream? You will need a forgiving spirit for there will always be those you will need to forgive. You must forgive. And then lastly this morning, Joseph and Jesus had many challenges along the journey. Following someone else's dream isn't easy. Genesis 45 and 20, when Joseph identified himself to his brothers, I want you to hear this this morning, you intended to arm me, your motive was not good, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save, remember salvation, I could save the lives of many, including you who hurt me. Wow. That is powerful. Despite all the challenges, he recognizes the fact that, yes, you didn't do this because God wanted you to do it. And you say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do it. You meant evil against me. But God was in it. Joseph's dream brought into question, betrayed by his brothers, put in a pit, so was a slave, false accusations, prison, serving below the standard of his dream. Challenges. Then we look at Jesus in Luke 22 and 42. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. And God could have answered, yes, well, I'll come up with a new plan. And he would have. But then Jesus said, yes, I want your will to be done and not mine. I want your will to be done. If it's your will for me to go through these challenges, if it's your will for me to have to suffer, I'm willing to do it for you. If you have a dream, there will always be challenges. Be careful because like Joseph, the injustice that you suffer right now, God may be in it. The person who's doing it, it may be evil, and their motive is evil, 
God is allowing it to happen, develop you, and bring you to a place where you will be much stronger and much more effective in becoming a disciple of Christ. So if you're having a dream, there will always be challenges. Be careful like Joseph. God could be in what injustice. And I think I just read that it may be a test to see if you qualify. Did Job get treated fairly? No. It was a test. Job knew nothing about the conversation between Satan and God. God tested him. He will test you. But it's not my dream, you say. As our worship team prepares to come back this morning, let me close with a couple of thoughts for you. Not seeing your dreams fulfilled, maybe you are blaming the wrong person. What do you mean, Pastor Ivan? So who are you blaming for the lack of the fulfillment of your dream? Because we're good at blaming someone else, right? We're really good at that. But there's only one person to blame. It's not Satan. It's not those who wrongly, uh, uh, who falsely wrong you and betrayed you, who hurt you. There's only one person that stands between you and your dream being fulfilled. It's you. It's me. I make up my mind. Albert Einstein said something very powerful one time. Adversity introduces a man to himself. Can I repeat that? Listen to it. Adversity introduces a man to himself. God uses it for us to see who we really are. And it's only you and I. We have to make up our mind that I'm going to forget whatever's been done. I'm going to put it behind me. I'm not going to allow it to influence me. And I'm going to pursue my dream. The dream that God has given me. Despite whatever anybody does, I'm going to follow the dream. You will have opposition because Satan will do all that he can to enter the fulfillment of any dream that leads to salvation like under Joseph, and like under Jesus. You, you know the devil don't mind us coming to church? He don't mind at all. As long as we're not effective and we're doing nothing and we're only catering to ourselves, and we ain't going to see nobody saved, so we're no threat to his kingdom. But the moment that Pastor Heron starts preaching what he's been preaching, and the moment we have a desire to become the church that Jesus wants us to be, it all changes. I thought of Paul and Silas in prison. They were beaten for something they didn't do. And yet they decided, you know, we could gripe and complain or we can worship. And they worship instead. And guess what happened? God came and the prison doors came open and they walked out. And through all of that, it was an evangelism opportunity because they wanted the jailer and family to Amen. He may, uh, he may have to lead you into a prison, so to speak, like Joseph, like Paul and Silas, to see your family saved or an opportunity to see the jailer's family saved. So it's all part of the fulfillment of your dream. 
But as for you, you meant evil. But God was in it. God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Do you see it? Both the enemy and God had a motive. The, the brothers, their motive was to destroy. And God's motive, he was in it. His motive was to develop Joseph to a place where he would qualify to do the very thing God said he would do. The, the enemy meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. I close with this this morning, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1, remind you again, and you shall, should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And I got a story to close with this morning. Listen to this. You talk about blaming somebody else all the time instead of looking at ourselves. An autobiography in five short chapters. I'm going to read five chapters, okay? You mind if I read five short chapters? Are you ready? I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find my way out. It's not my fault. The next chapter, there are short chapters. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see that it is there. I still fall in. It's become a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Let's continue the story of this great book. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Amen? But wait now, there's one more chapter. I said five, right? I walk same street. No, I'm sorry, I walk down another street. When will, we, when will we learn? Amen? It's me. I'm the one who got to work on me. You have to work on you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity of coming into your house again this morning and worshiping you. And I thank you for the opportunity of going into your word this morning. And every person that's here, you said that you have written in your book. You have a dream for us and all of us have a part to play in the fulfillment of your church in the last days. And Lord, whatever is entering us, let us be honest. Let us look into your word and let us let your word speak to us this morning. And Lord, that whatever we're doing wrong, whatever I'm doing wrong, let me take, uh, let me own it this morning. Let me swallow my pride and let me let it go because it's entering my dream. I pray, Father God, that you will just speak to our hearts in the coming days, even as we go through this talk of merging and we go to this, uh, through this talk of becoming one church. Two is better than one. And I pray, Father God, that, that you would lead us and that you would guide us and you would plant in every one of our hearts a desire to pursue your dream. In your name, amen. I just thought of one last word. Are you hungry? You're getting anxious. One last word. The Bible is called 
a mirror. What's a mirror for? You look into the mirror of God's Word. You look, and you can only see yourself in a mirror. That's what we need to do. I look into God. I mean, I, how many times have you looked into God's Word and said, Oh, sister so-and-so, wow, I see her right there. No, I'm supposed to be looking for myself. Dad told me a story one time, and I'm going to close with this. I'll even walk away as I'm saying it so you know that I'm going to sit down. Dad told me a story one time of a... Um, oh, i got to forget. <laughs> now I have to come back and try to remember it. Uh, what am I? Oh, yeah, yeah, well. Uh, yeah, I'm talking about the mirror. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, the pastor in Newfoundland, he was at a church, and it was a stormy Sunday night, and only one person showed up for church, and he was preaching on, ba uh, on uh, back, backbiters, gossips, and she was the biggest one in the church. And, uh, but anyway, he said to her, um, you know, we, I just won't bother to preach or have church. And I, oh, pastor, you got to. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> and he preached it. And when he finished and he greeted her at the door and he said, to her, pastor, what a wonderful word. Too bad they weren't here to hear it. <laughs> the mirror of God's word. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca.